Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we are talking about Parashat Ekev. But before we do that, I have to do something uh, very special. Uh, thanks to uh, one of the listeners, uh, I need to uh, give a correction to something that I said uh, on a previous parasha. Uh, I'm talking about Parashat Pinchas. And I said then that although uh, Parashat Naso has 176 psukim, Pinchas is longer in terms of the number of actual rows uh, of, uh, of text in the Sefer Torah. And uh, a listener uh, challenged me on that, questioned me about that, and I double-checked, and uh, he's right. Uh, that is not the case. Um, it's something that I heard or thought I heard some time ago, uh, but I guess I was wrong. So it's very important for me to point out that Nassau is uh, the largest parasha, largest single parasha, both in terms of the number of psukim as well as the number of lines uh, that it occupies. So I'm glad to have had the opportunity to make that correction. Uh, we are talking about Parashat uh, Ekev, and Parashat Ekev is a continuation of Moshe's second address to B'nai Yisrael before he dies. It's the longest of the addresses, and it's on the subject of the mitzvot. Uh, last week, uh, he began that, uh, that address, that shiul, that lecture, if you like, uh, in which uh, he was talking about the significance of the mitzvot. And he started off by talking about the basis of the mitzvot, namely the Aserat HaDibrot, uh, uh, the Decalogue, and then proceeded from there uh, to talk about the uh, faith basis of, uh, of the mitzvot, namely the Shema. So Moshe continues uh, on this theme of the mitzvot, and uh, he talks about the mitzvot uh, from a number of perspectives. Uh, I think uh, that it's possible to divide this parasha into uh, eight uh, sections. Uh, the first part is talking about the reward for keeping the mitzvot. This is a theme that we'll repeat a few times in this parasha and indeed in the book of Devarim. Uh, he says that as a result of observing the mitzvot, as Hashem said, uh, there will be all kinds of reward for, uh, for the people. Uh, there will be uh, prosperity, there will be health, and there will be security. Uh, these are rewards that uh, not only the uh, individual, but the whole nation uh, will benefit from. Uh, the second section is uh, the second the section in which Moshe uh, warns uh, the people uh, that as you enter into the land, do not be afraid of the inhabitants uh, of the land. Uh, they will uh, put up a resistance uh, unless they decide to leave, uh, which they will be given that opportunity to do. But uh, don't be afraid of their strength. Don't be afraid of their uh, of their cities, Hashem will aid and protect you and be especially careful not to take any idols from them. Many of the Avodah Zarah, there's a, uh, a great deal of uh, temptation there uh, because the idols are usually made of very precious things. Uh, take no idols. Do not uh, take up 
any of their uh, idolatrous practices uh, or, or beliefs. The third section, uh, uh, Moshe is continuing to talk about uh, the importance of, uh, of the mitzvot, and therefore he returns to uh, the, the, the subject of the 40-year journey in the Midbal and extracts from the 40-year journey the important lessons to be learned uh, from all of this. Again, even when Moshe deals with history, his role is not uh, purely as a historian, uh, but rather to, to extract the lessons that are to be learned uh, for the benefit of the future. One of those lessons is to trust in Hashem. Uh, that means uh, rely upon Hashem and trust that ha Hashem is in control and, uh, as we might say, knows what he's doing. And that's even when situation is very difficult. Uh, Moshe reminds them that uh, time and time again, Hashem has tried you uh, in the desert. And the purpose of that, those trials were uh, was in order for you to develop your trust in him. And remember that Hashem has provided for all of your needs throughout the time that you've been in the desert, uh, in the wilderness. And therefore, Moshe proceeds to the next lesson, that just as Hashem provided for all your needs in the desert, Hashem will bring you safely to the land of Israel. Uh, there, uh, you will be in a land that uh, depends entirely on Hashem's providence. Uh, it is a land rich in uh, produce and in resources. And uh, when you benefit from those uh, blessings of the land, then you should bless Hashem for uh, the good food uh, and for the land itself. This is a topic that we will return to uh, later on. But Moshe issues yet another warning, and this is something that can be learned from the 40-year journey, uh, and that is uh, when things are going well, uh, as they were going in the, in the desert, as Hashem was providing for all of your needs, so when things will go well with you in the land, don't become complacent and forget Hashem. Uh, remember uh, all that he has done and will continue to do uh, for all of you. Uh, and therefore, Moshe issues yet another uh, warning, something to be learned from the 40-year journey. Uh, if you disobey Hashem, uh, up to and including worshiping idols, uh, you will be destroyed. So that's the third topic of this parasha, the lessons, the important moral lessons uh, to be learned from the 40 years of traveling in the wilderness. The fourth section of the of the parasha uh, continues this theme of your connection to the land. Moshe reminds the people that your possession of the land is not as a result of your righteousness, but to the but rather as the result of the wickedness of the current inhabitants. They are being uh, expelled because of their idolatry. Uh, remember, uh, you yourselves uh, flirted with idolatry, the sin, and therefore Moshe repeats uh, the sin of the golden calf, and he makes reference to other sins that took place in the wilderness as, uh, as well. There are sins at various places uh, that you have to remember, and all of them in one way or another will go back to the 
uh, disobeying of Hashem, but the uh, the most extreme form of disobeying Hashem is idolatry. Uh, and the example of that is the golden calf. So uh, remember, you're going into the land not because you deserve it, but because the current inhabitants are so idolatrous, they deserve to be expelled from there. Uh, since Moshe is talking about the uh, the golden calf, so he returns to the, that incident. He returns to talking about how after the sin of the golden calf, Moshe returned to Sinai for uh, 40 days uh, in order to pray for forgiveness. And then he received the second tablets uh, at the end of another 40 days, and he placed them in the ark. So Moshe is uh, repeating, uh, reminding them uh, that uh, they don't have a spotless record when it comes to obedience to, uh, to Hashem. But Moshe says that he prayed uh, for forgiveness, and uh, Hashem eventually did forgive them. Moshe, since he is talking about the sin of the golden calf, uh, makes reference to other travels in the wilderness. Talks about the death of Aharon uh, and the selection of the tribe of, of Levi. Uh, at the end of 40 days, Hashem granted Moshe's uh, prayers. So uh, all of this uh, returns to the uh, the topic uh, of the the sin of the golden calf, but the important lesson to be learned is uh, because of your past backslidings, uh, the people that currently inhabit the land must be much worse because they are being expelled. But don't be uh, too uh, proud of yourself. Uh, don't be so sure of yourself uh, because uh, you have shown that you're capable of disobedience as well. And then we proceed to the fifth topic uh, of the parasha. What is it that Hashem demands of you? Uh, these are essential. Uh, these are essential elements of our connection, our relationship to Hashem. What Hashem demands is awe, obedience, love, and service. These are uh, elements that are uh, under our control, and it is what we uh, owe to Hashem. Remember that Hashem chose your ancestors uh, out of all of the peoples of the world. So Moshe returns to that subject as well. Um, he chose them because they demonstrated all obedience, love, and service. And therefore, you, their descendants, uh, should be loyal to Hashem in, uh, in all sorts of forms, uh, including not only uh, loyalty to Hashem by rejecting Avodah Zarah, uh, which has been mentioned and will be mentioned again, but also uh, by pursuing justice in society and loving, taking care of the stranger. And, and finally, uh, what is it that Hashem demands of you? Uh, he demands that you remember uh, all that he has done uh, and will continue to do for, for you. The, the sixth section of the uh, of the parasha uh, talks about uh, Hashem's special uh, relationship with the land of Israel. Uh, he points out that the land of Israel is very different from the land of uh, Egypt, uh, which you were fulfill uh, you were familiar with. Egypt uh, receives its water supply from the Nile, which overflows. Um, but unlike Egypt, Israel relies totally on rainfall. 
And this is a constant reminder that we uh, rely upon Hashem's providence. When you rely upon rain, your heart and your mind, indeed your eyes, are pointed upward uh, looking for and hoping for rain. And that reminds us that we rely upon, depend upon Hashem. Um, this makes the land of Israel, uh, in a sense, more susceptible uh, to drought. Uh, but on the other hand, it is a land where you are constantly reminded that uh, that you rely upon uh, Hashem. Uh, so that's the sixth topic uh, of the parasha, Hashem's special care uh, for the land of Israel. Uh, as we're talking about the land of Israel, uh, Moshe goes on uh, to to talk about uh, the importance of accepting what is called the yoke of mitzvot, the old mitzvot. You're going to enter the land, and you have to make a commitment, and you have to be aware of the fact that you will be held accountable. You'll be held responsible for your uh, compliance with uh, the mitzvot and the reverse as well. And it's in uh, this regard that the, Moshe teaches us uh, what is known as the second paragraph of the Shema. Uh, the second paragraph of the Shema, uh, the primary topic of it is accepting the yoke of uh, the mitzvot. The second paragraph, if you will surely listen to my commandments, um, so Moshe says, if you obey, the land will be blessed with prosperity. And if you stray, you will be punished with poverty. This is reward and punishment on a national basis. Uh, but the Torah repeats uh, the importance of mitzvot that the individual does uh, that continually remind one of the duties to Hashem. Uh, and these are mitzvot that were mentioned in what we call the first paragraph of Shema, and it's because of this repetition of themes uh, that uh, this paragraph is also part of our daily recitation of the Shema. Some of those mitzvot that remind us uh, all, at all times, tefillin, mitzvah to teach Torah to your children, the mitzvah of putting a mezuzah on your doorposts, and uh, he concludes that section uh, by saying that uh, if you are obedient to Hashem's uh, will, then Hashem will provide you with continued security. So that's the seventh part of the parasha. The eighth and final part of the parasha is where Moshe returns to the subject of the reward for keeping the mitzvot. Uh, he says that if you, uh, if you keep the mitzvot, when you come into the land, when you live in a state of uh, prosperity, uh, you don't allow yourself to forget uh, Hashem uh, under those circumstances, uh, then your, the reward will be that you will have victory over the other nations uh, that uh, inhabit the land, and you will be able to secure your possession of the land of uh, Israel. So this is a, a parasha that continues the theme of, uh, of the mitzvot, uh, the importance of the mitzvot and the consequences of uh, keeping the mitzvot, and unfortunately, the uh, uh, the converse of that, if uh, if it comes to that. Now, let's take a closer look at um, a part of the parasha that 
uh, I referred to earlier, uh, where Hashem says, or Moshe uh, says to the people in the name of Hashem, that Hashem is bringing you into a very uh, prosperous land. And he describes what is beautiful about the land. It's a land that has streams and springs and fountains. It's a land that produces, uh, and here the, the Torah lists seven different types of produce that are associated with the land of Israel. Two of them are grains, uh, and uh, five of them are, are fruits. Uh, it is the land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and pomegranates, land of olive trees and honey. Honey here uh, means a honey that is derived from dates. Uh, a land where you will be able to eat without, uh, without having to uh, reserve you can eat as much as you feel as you want. You will not lack nothing. You can even extract from the uh, from the hills and the mountains uh, raw materials that you may need, such as uh, iron and, and copper. And then this section concludes with a very familiar pasuk v'achalta v'savata. Uh, you will eat and you will be satisfied. and you will bless Hashem your God. For the good land that he has given to you. Uh, I want to share with you uh, two ways of looking at this uh, last part. The uh, When you eat and are satisfied, you will bless. Uh, two views, uh, one from the Ramban and one from the Sephorno. Uh, the Ramban says that the way to read this uh, pasuk is that when you are in the land of Israel and you are eating the produce of the land of Israel to your fill, and it's your land, it's uh, you're living in a land of freedom, the food that has been provided for you uh, by Hashem, this is food that you've grown yourself, you will, you will be reminded <clears throat> of your uh, previous life in Egypt, uh, a life of uh, slavery and, uh, and affliction and, how, and deprivation in the desert. So you will remember all of that. Your collective memory will come back. But when you will uh, eat and be satisfied in your own good land, um, you will bless God about it. So the first point that the Ramban is making is that it, it's almost uh, to be expected. It's natural. It's certainly um, uh, proper and uh, civilized, let's say, for people who have benefited the way that the Jewish people uh, will have be, will have benefited. It's natural and proper uh, for them to bless God as long as they have God consciousness. So the Ramban says th that the, on one level, this this pasuk is saying when you will eat your fill, uh, you will be moved naturally to bless. But then he goes on to say that based on this pasuk, we have not only a natural prediction, but we actually have a mitzvah. The rabbis say that from this verse, we uh, derive a positive mitzvah, which is to uh, an obligation to bless Hashem uh, after, we have, uh, after we have eaten. Uh, so he says the way to read it that way as a, as a mitzvah, as a commandment, is you shall bless Hashem, um, be, uh, and you will bless him not only for the food, but also for the land itself. Uh, 
Um, so he, this is a command that we bless him at any time that we eat our fill. And this basically has to do with eating a meal that includes, uh, that includes bread, that we, we are obligated, we are commanded to uh, bless Hashem for the plenty that we have received, as well as for the land uh, that he has uh, given us. Um, so this is, uh, this is the mitzvah, and uh, that is why uh, in our Birkat Amazon, or Grace After Meals, we, uh, we, of course, bless Hashem for the food. It's obvious that that's what we're blessing for. But we also bless Hashem for the, uh, for the land. Uh, and when, whether one is living in the land of Israel or eating the produce of the land of Israel, uh, one still blesses uh, Hashem for uh, the land of Israel because all of the blessings uh, that we may receive uh, come to us in the merit of the land of Israel. But that's a, another topic for another time. Uh, but according to the Ramban, uh, the, the, the order is you'll eat and that will... Uh, either naturally motivate you to bless Hashem, or you will be obligated uh, by a mitzvah to bless Hashem, eat and be satisfied, and as a result, bless. The Sephorno has another way of reading this. He says, um, you will bless Hashem after you've eaten so that you'll remember that what you have received is, uh, is coming from Hashem. Uh, in other words, not that it's not purely a result of your own efforts, but these things come from Hashem. There's a tendency the Sepharno might assume uh, that when 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 we uh, uh, when we eat our fill, uh, we will congratulate ourselves at our own accomplishments, and so the bracha is there as a reminder that our accomplishments are really the result of Hashem's uh, will. Uh, so for the Sephorno, the obligation, and for the Sephorno, the obligation, the mitzvah is even uh, more in demand. It's more necessary. Uh, the bracha is not just to say thank you for what we've received, but to remind us that it's not our doing, but instead it is uh, Hashem. Uh, so, uh, while for the Ramban, we go from eating and being satisfied to a bracha, which is to say thank you, for the Sephorno, uh, the eating and satisfying proceeds to a bracha of acknowledgement, acknowledging what we have received from Hashem so that we remember uh, that our accomplishments uh, are not a, a result of our own deeds purely, uh, but because of uh, Hashem's blessing. I thank you very much for joining me uh, once again uh, in uh, examining the Parshat HaShavua. Uh, this has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom. <laughs>